Uh, yeah, so for those of you that are here and, uh, and this is your first maybe Sunday here at OVV or in a while, uh, we're in the middle of a series on the book of First Peter uh, called Stand Out, the Humble Way to an Outstanding Life. And, and in, the, in the story uh, of, of the scriptures, uh, Peter is writing now to a church uh, in uh, what we would now call Turkey, which, uh, which is Asia Minor. And he's writing to a number of churches in that whole region. And what we know about those churches is that they're all sort of would have been the sort of first generations of churches planted out of, uh, out of Jerusalem as the gospel spread out through the Roman Empire. And uh, these churches, of course, uh, were filled with Christians who were uh, new in their faith and new in their journey with Jesus and really living in a way that was counterculture to, uh, to the surrounding uh, people that they were with. They would, they would come to faith and come to know Jesus and begin to meet together and uh, find themselves in conflict a little bit with uh, the society around them. And of course, in that time and space, uh, when you were uh, a little different than the society around you, uh, they would do uh, whatever they had to, to sort of use whatever means of social control available to sort of bring you back in line and bring you back into, into fitting and into conforming. And so Peter is just counseling these Christians how do you live sensibly and differently in a place where you, you, just don't, you just don't fit? Jesus has changed you. There's been a radical uh, change in who you are, and, and now you're required to be, be a little bit different. How do, you, how do you do that? And, of course, that's an important uh, question for us in our time because we do, as Christians, live differently, or, or we should maybe live a little differently than, than the surrounding uh, culture. There's a, there's a way in which Jesus has impacted our lives to the point where uh, we're, we're just a little bit different. We don't fit anymore. So how do we do that? How do we live that way? How do we have, uh, not just, I don't just mean that in the sense that we, we live different lives and, oh man, we're different and we're going to get beat up and nobody likes us and no poor us. But I mean, how do we live exceptional lives? How do we, we live exceptional Jesus-focused uh, lives in the middle of a culture that doesn't know Jesus? We have this incredible relationship, and how does it change us? Um, one of the things that we uh, prayed about a few minutes earlier was just what it's like to take some hits, you know, what it's like to just uh, deal with uh, some of that struggle. And, and for some of us, some of the struggle is, is not even just uh, aggression coming against us, but really the struggle of distraction. In, in our culture, there's an enormous a draw for our attention, an enormous draw for our focus. And, and to be able to be people who just even find Jesus in the swirl of that and, and really live out of our relationship with him and rather than live out of, uh, out of our culture is, uh, is of course, a, a great challenge for us. Um, wonderful story, and I think we've mentioned uh, this fellow before, a man named uh, Canon Andrew Wright. He's an Anglican uh, priest who is referred to as the Bishop of Baghdad. Uh, so uh, he came into Baghdad uh, while the Americans were still sort of in the process of withdrawing from that uh, place and, and began to pastor there and began to build a community uh, of Christians that was going to be a help and going to be a service in that place and has stayed there through the American withdrawal from Iraq and uh, and through the uh, rise of incredible violence, uh, Iraq is a very difficult place now. It's a very uh, ugly place with th literally thousands of warlords who just sort of 
are fighting back and forth over each other. It's, a, it's an incredibly chaotic uh, spot. And in this interview uh, that was entitled Being Jesus in the Killing Zone, Canon uh, uh, Andrew was asked a number of different questions. And this is really, some of these questions are kind of interesting because they're coming from a, an, an American reporter who's just asking questions out of their own experience. And, and so the first question is, what is your church like? What is your, what is your church like in this, uh, in this difficult place? What's your church like? And Ken Andrew says, well, the church is surrounded by bomb barricades and you have to go through four checkpoints to get to it. It's almost like being in its own little green zone. It's frequented by many people because it has a school there and a free clinic, and patients are treated without charge for medicines and treatment, and all tests are free, and 95% of our patients are Muslims. So that's what his church looks like. His church looks like a, a mission. I, they've built a place in the middle of uh, a really broken and chaotic and violent community that is essentially a hospital, that is essentially a place where people can come and, and receive healing in that difficult place. And, and then the report asks, how dangerous is it? Well, seriously, I, I'm not actually even allowed to walk around the streets ever. And the reporter says, because somebody's going to put a bullet in the back of your head. And he says, yeah, yes, all, all my team, uh, none of us can walk down the street in Baghdad. Now, that's a little different from our circumstances. Uh, I'm pretty sure nobody wants to, uh, to kill most of us. Um, and then the reporter asks this, um, says this, most people couldn't deal with that level of anxiety for more than maybe three minutes, and, and so now you've been in Baghdad for 15 years. One cannot imagine what your therapy bill's like. Are, are you on antidepressants? And Ken Andrew says, is, is that's, that's a very American, uh, North American question coming at this guy, isn't it, right? Uh, are you now on, on antidepressants? Are you now on that? And I should just, just as a side note, I, I think uh, I'm not saying anything against uh, proper medical treatment for, for depression at all, but, but it's just the way the question came at, uh, at uh, Ken and Andrew. He says, well, I'm on lots of medication, but only for my MS. He has multiple sclerosis serving in the killing zone in, in Baghdad. He says, and this is what I love. When I go around doing my parish visiting, I have hordes of soldiers and police vehicles with guns. <laughs> it doesn't sound like how we walk out our, our Christianity. It's a very hostile place where he's living out his faith, right? And then the report says, has anybody ever told you that you're more than a little crazy? He says, well, every day. The thing is, unless you are called, you can't do this work. There's no way that a normal person could function this way. It doesn't matter where you are if you are in God's will. That doesn't mean I'm not going to be shot or killed. I might be, but it's where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> Is that a little differently than how uh, we live? And, and the reporter asks, how do you live like that? And he says this, and he quotes, uh, not directly, but he, but he definitely is referencing this passage in Second Peter that we're going to look at today. He says, the end of time is near. It is only logical that we should work to save as many as we can. We offer hospitality to everyone without complaining and use whatever gifts we have. We don't have much time. We only have our lives. And so here is a, a person who is in a land uh, where, where he is in a difficult place. He is in a place where he has personally taken some hits. He's personally taken the hit of, of multiple sclerosis. 
and, and all that that disease means for him. Uh, he's in a very hostile place where many, many people do not like at all what he's doing to the point where he goes you know, on his parishioner visits, you know, down to Starbucks or, or maybe he goes to Equator and, and visits with his parishioners, but he takes his security detail with him. Uh, you know, like, where do you, where's where that? Like, he, he goes and visits with his people with, with security, and, and if anybody gets through that security, he's done. Or if his security goes by an IED, he's done. Right? But he goes, and he, he's outward focused, and he's doing, uh, doing the stuff that he's called to do because he's called to do it. Now, for us, um, how do we live? Out of the challenges that we face and out of the struggles that we face, out of the, the, uh, the pressure that comes against us, uh, we're, we're not experiencing pressure anywhere near what uh, Ken and Andrew uh, White is experiencing. But, but we ex- experience the pressure of distraction and experience the pressure of, of a need to perform for society. We experience the pressure of our jobs. We experience the pressure of our friends and coworkers who who might say, uh, you know, you, you might not feel like you're comfortable sharing your faith in those places. We live under, under a different kind of pressure, but we live under some pressure as well. And so Peter is speaking to those folks who are living under pressure, and this is what he says to them. He says, the end of all things is near. Therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. This is what uh, Ken and Andrew uh, was uh, quoting. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. So the first piece of encouragement that Peter gives to Christians under pressure is, the end of all things is near. It's all going to be over soon. Um, either Jesus is going to come in your lifetime or he's going to come after your lifetime, but whatever the case, your time of going through this is limited. Be encouraged you're going to die <laughs> or Jesus is going to come first. And this is an encouraging thought for you. Be encouraged uh, you're going to die. There's an end. There's a, a limit to our time. Uh, what we can do is finite, so use it well. Use the resource of your time and your energy and your life well. Use it well. He says, therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. That word alert there is a, a Greek word that is, uh, it's, it's sophroneo. And it comes from two words that means um, sof, which is safe, and friend, which means that which regulate life, regulates life. It's, it's that part that controls us here. It's the, it's the root word from where we get diaphragm. And where that word is seen extra biblically, not in, not in the scriptures, is, is to describe a soldier in a stance for battle or to describe a runner at the beginning of a race. So what that first phrase, be alert, means is, is have control of your life. Have your life uh, under management. Have your life uh, 
ready to go. Be alert. Be, be prepared. Be bodily alert. Be ready for action. Be ready to respond to the call of God. Be ready to respond to what God is calling you to do. And again, for us, we're after so many distractions. We're, we, we're, we're so often not ready for an opportunity that comes to us. And then he says this. He says, be of sober mind. And that word is really, is really direct. It just means don't be intoxicated. Don't be intoxicated. Don't let your judgment be clouded. Don't let you, yourself be in a place where you've lost clarity, the ability to think and the ability to perceive the world as it is, the ability to hear the voice of God as, it, as, it, as it's spoken to you. Uh, keep a mind that is ready to, ready to go, ready to respond. Um, and, and he says, and do all that so that you can pray. Do all of that so that you can pray. And this word prayer is, uh, is really an exchange of wishes. Uh, we, we often think of prayer as petitioning God, isn't it? We often think of prayer as, as seeking God, as, as crying out to God, as asking God for things. God, can you help me with this? God, can you help me with that? And that's absolutely what it is. God, can you bring deliverance in this area? God, can you bless my friend? God, can you uh, do these things that we need to do? But the, the word for prayer here is definitely a word that talks about a, a two-way flow. And prayer for us has to be like that. It has to be a, a two-way flow. It has to be a sense of God exchanging his wishes with us. Right? God exchanging his wishes with us. What does he wish for in your life? Are you ready to receive that? Is your, is your body ready to respond to God's wishes for your life? Is your, is your mind alert? Are you sober or are you drugged with the many ways that we, we medicate ourselves? Right? Don't we medicate ourselves all the time? Don't we, uh, don't we take our senses and our ability to hear God and we just sort of cloud them over so often and, and, and just kind of dull our ability to connect with God? We do it with simple things. We do it with Netflix. We do it with uh, surfing the internet. We do it with, with substances. We do it with so many things, right? We just cloud our ability to respond to the call of God. And so this is what Peter is saying is be ready to respond to the wishes of God and be ready to present your wishes to him. It's a reciprocal thing. It's a, it's a relational thing. And then he says this. He says, uh, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. And that word love is a word you've probably heard of if you've heard anybody preach on love in the past. It's that Greek word agape, which is actually, uh, in the context of that time and space, is talking about a moral love, like a moral responsibility to be other-focused. A moral uh, responsibility to see others, to look at others, to be otherly. It's a moral preference. It's the ability to prefer another person to yourself. I like your needs more than I like mine. I like you more than I like me. That doesn't sound like how, how we live very much. But that's what we're called to. We're called to love people uh, with, a, with a sense of, of looking beyond ourselves and loving people beyond ourselves, loving outside of ourselves. Again, when we take those hits in life, we, we turn inside ourselves, we're under stress, we look inside, we're, we're curled up in the fetal position and God says to us, look outside. Look beyond. Look outside and see the other. See the other person. And the word deeply there is, is a word that means stretched. Stretched. 
It's intense. It's, it's ektenen. It's a Greek word that means wholly stretched out, without slack, extended to the necessary outcome. It's, it's loving people to the max. It's loving people out there. It's loving people in a costly way. It's loving people in a way that feels uh, challenging and, and stretching. Uh, it's a way that stretches us. That's what Peter calls us to do when we're living as Christians and we want to close in on ourselves, to stretch ourselves, to reach out in love in a radical way. And he says, walk that out in this way. He says, offer hospitality to one another uh, without grumbling offer hospitality. And, and again, Peter is just challenging and challenging here. Uh, that word hospitality is phelozenoi. It's, it's, uh, it's one word, but it's, it's made up of two words. It's philo and zenoi. And he's talking about another kind of love. He's talking about a familial love, a, a brotherly love, uh, with the word zenoi after it, which is uh, where we get xenophobia, right? It's where we get alien fear, fear of aliens. How many of you are afraid of aliens, by the way? Like we should be, maybe something we should be concerned about. Um, yeah, Ashley's scared of aliens. She has a plan. She's got a bunker in the basement, and she's she's good to go. Um, I actually had somebody say to me, like, as a as a Christian person, say to me, you know, I think that the whole thing is like a plot. It's a plot of the enemy to uh, really make us think that angels are. Our aliens are, are really going to come and save our society. When the aliens come, you need to know that they're not from God. You just need to plead the blood of Jesus and run. Just plead the blood of Jesus and run. So I've received that counsel once, and, uh, and uh, I've just taken that all in. Um, uh, so <laughs> we have uh, this, uh, this uh, philozenoi, uh, a familial love for those who are alien to you. You know, we find it so easy to love people that are like us. We find it so easy to love people that we like. We find it so easy to love people in our demographic, in our age range, people whose children are grown so their children don't make a mess of our house when they come over, uh, people whose children are quiet so they don't hurt my ears when they're around, uh, people who are old and mature so they, they're the kind of people who know to do the dishes when they come over and help with the dishes afterwards. Uh, whatever We pick whatever kind of people you like, whatever people you kind of fit with. Love those people. Have those people in your home. Uh, um, and, and, and love those. But, but we're called to love not just people that are like us, not just people that we like. We're called to uh, exercise hospitality, a love of other to people who are, are different than us. And to do so uh, without grumbling. And I just love this Greek word grumbling for grumbling. You pronounce it gongu, gongusmos, gongusmos. And I don't even know what the, what the meaning of that really is, except that uh, if we're grumbling, you know, life's a gong show. The church is a huge gong show if we're, if we're grumbling at people, if, if we're grumbling about people in, in our lives. You don't want the church uh, to, be a, to be a gong show. Uh, the, you know, where most grumbling really comes from is it really comes from judgment, doesn't it? It comes from judging others. It comes from... Ah, you know, I'm sizing this person up, and, and I'm really not comfortable with how they are in my life. I, I just, and we grumble, 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 we gong goose moss, and all of a sudden, that's our lives. We're the gong show, and we're the judges in the gong show. And let me tell you, the church is no fun when, uh, when we're all judges in the gong show. We want to be the contestants, <laughs> right? We want to be, be the people who are out there. 
So offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Uh, Each has received uh, a gift to serve others. Now, the Greek and the construction of this, I, I kind of like the grammar here. I like the way it's been translated in English in the NIV, what we've been reading, but I really like this phrase, each has received a gift to each other other than serving. Each of you have received incredible gifts from God, and this is the same thing we were talking about in our series in 1 Corinthians. Everybody's received charismata, uh, gifts from, the God, from God, gifts of grace, uh, powerful, wonderful gifts, uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit, gifts of abilities, gifts of talents. Each of you have received incredible, wonderful gifts, but you haven't necessarily received them for yourself. You know, we have a way of looking at the gifts and the gifts that we have, and, and, and we draw our sense of identity from our gifts in a lot of cases, right? Like, man, I feel so, and I feel so affirmed when I do a gifts inventory. Like, this is something that's great and something that's awesome and something that's special about me that I have these gifts, but ultimately those gifts uh, aren't for me. They're gifts to be shared. They're gifts to be poured out. They're gifts to be given. Each of you have received uh, gift to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. You know what God has di- done for us? Is he's given the church a giant bag of gifts like Santa Claus coming. A giant bag of gifts. You know how many watched Tim Allen the Santa Claus? I-, I-, I love that movie. He's got this bag of gifts that just, you know, he goes and puts all the gifts in somebody's house and then he takes up and it's all of a sudden it's full again. It's got more gifts in it. God's given us this unlimited bag of gifts in the community. He's poured them out and poured them out and poured them out and he's, he's, he's pouring his incredible gifts out on the church, but he hasn't put any name tags on them. He hasn't put any name tags on them. We all get one, but it's, but it's not our name tag that's on it. This is how God builds unity and community in the church as he pours out gifts for everyone And everybody needs those gifts, but nobody gets the one they need. Nobody gets the one they need. Somebody else in the community has that gift that you need. We we need each other. We need each other. We need to be in home churches. We need to be here on Sunday morning having coffee sharing our needs with one another. We need to be texting one another and Facebook messaging and calling and I hear people still use the phone. Uh, what, what, whatever it is, we, we need to, to be rooting around out there and, and say, what, what kind of gifts do you have that, that I need? And, and I've got this gift that, 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 is, that is really awesome, but, but I need to know who I'm supposed to share this gift with. Who am I supposed to share this beautiful thing with? And when we do that, it, it's, like a, it's like a giant game of Secret Santa, isn't it? That's what the church is. It's a giant game of Secret Santa where we're all standing there and we all get to trade, mix and match and communicate across the room. I've seen Secret Santa almost come to blows before. We don't want to do that. But um, it, it's about sharing these wonderful things that, that we've been given. And then he just gives this little bit of counsel. He says, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides. And you think he basically takes these two gifts and he breaks them down into these two categories. There are gifts of speaking, and we see those gifts in the New 
Testament, gifts of prophetic gifts and word of wisdom and word of knowledge, these wonderful uh, gifts uh, that, that encourage the heart and, and gifts of service. And anyone should do those with the strength that God provides. What he's doing is he's taking those gifts and making sure we understand that one isn't better than the other. That, that, that there's not a hierarchy of those gifts. They're all gifts that are, that are to be poured out and, and, and blessing people with and, and poured out liberally and poured out freely and honored and valued and respected and welcomed. I'm going to invite Barry to come up here with me for just a second. Come on up here, Barry. Barry is, I, I'm identifying Barry as somebody who serves really, really well and really humbly and works so hard. Can we just give him a really, really huge hand? Week after week, Barry is here. He's serving. He's helping every single week. He's at youth group setting up the sound gear. He's a wonderful servant. I want you to know, I want you to hear it clearly from me. What I'm doing right now, preaching the word, is not more important than what Barry does. It's the same thing. It's exactly the same thing. It's gifts that have come from the Father. And I want to advertise something else to you about Barry. I hope you don't mind me doing, doing this. He didn't really have a choice. <laughs> While Barry is an incredible, humble servant and works incredibly hard with his hands, he's also one of the most gifted prophetic people in the community. He also operates in, in the gifts of speaking. And you need to just come up to Barry sometime and say, Barry, I'm struggling, trying to figure out what to do. Will you pray for me? And ask Barry to, to just listen to the Holy Spirit for you and, and share those pieces. And it's not just Barry. It's, it's so many of us in this community. We work hard. You can be released. Let's give Barry a huge, huge hand. There are so many folks in this community that just pour their lives out, that just pour their hearts out, that just uh, serve to incredible degree, stretching themselves, stretching themselves, stretching themselves to, to help us achieve this vision that we have as a community, to just continue to grow and to reach all of the people who just aren't here this morning who just aren't here, there are thousands of people in our region that don't know Jesus, and we just as a community exist to help them find out that he's good and loving and kind and, and, and worthy of worship, and that's why we do what we do, that he's going to save them from their sins. And, and we all have this incredible uh, gift to contribute to that. The church absolutely has to be the gong show this incredible community of diverse gifts, right? That's what, that's what that, uh, that talked about earlier, wasn't it? Isn't God's diverse gifts? There are so many of you with such incredible gifts and incredible talents. And, and well, when you're living as Christians under duress, it's so tempting to close in uh, on yourself and to, and to not let those things shine, not let those things come out, not serve with them, not love with them. We're supposed to be the gong show without the judges. Isn't that what the church is supposed to be? The gong show without the judges? This incredible display of God's majesty, God's talents, God's gifts poured out on his community, the incredible riches of what God has done in us. 
serving and loving and caring and pouring ourselves out for one another. Why is all of that? And Peter answers the question here at the end of verse 11. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. So that God may be praised. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. It's all for praise. It's all for worship. It's all for worship. It's all for worship. It's all for his glory. Some of you have incredible gifts that are, that are still hidden from the community. Some of you have incredible talents, incredible abilities to serve, incredible abilities to love that, that just haven't been released yet. God wants to release gifts. And some of you have gifts that have been used and, and you're just wounded and tired in some cases. And God wants to lift you up and heal you and call you fresh and new to his mission, to his mission of bringing glory, bringing his glory to the earth, bringing the knowledge of his glory. And, and I, I always remember uh, this, this incredible phrase in the Old Testament that the glory of the Lord covers the whole earth. And then a little bit later on in, in, in the scriptures, it says this, and one day the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the whole earth. The glory of the Lord covers the whole earth. It's our job to make sure everybody knows about it. God wants to release you. Release your gifts. Release you uh, from, from wounding. Release you from pain. Release you from uh, that sense that you've taken a hit in the gut and you're, and you're closed in on yourself. Whatever it is. Uh, release you from a fear that maybe your gift isn't worthwhile or maybe your gift isn't worthy of being used. Whatever it is, God wants to release it and see it used and blessed and, 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 and out in the church working, doing his work to bring him glory. Let's just stand up. So let's just ask God to come and, uh, and begin to uh, speak to us. Um, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come. Um, and I ask that you would just, by your power, highlight uh, the gifts that you want to release in people. Not that we would in any way be self-aggrandizing or, or looking for... Uh, our way to stand out in the community, but would we look for the way that you cause us uh, to build something as a community that stands out to those who, who don't know you in a way that brings glory to you, Father. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Would you lift fear off of people? Would you lift fear off of people, Father? Come, Lord Jesus. Would you strengthen those who are weary?
Would you strengthen those who have given great hospitality over time and, and become wearied by it, Father? Would you strengthen them? Would you refresh them? Would you open our eyes to see your purpose? Would you release leadership in the room? By your spirit, God, release uh, fresh leadership. So, Father, we pray for, for all of us wrestling through uh, various, these very specific things. But I pray uh, now for the community, for, for all of us here in this room, uh, that we would have... Um, uh, an ability to just receive this incredible encouragement from Peter. This incredible encouragement that, that our, our time is limited and that we can use it for your kingdom, that we can use it in new ways. Father, would you release us to make choices uh, that, that choose to do life with margin to serve you, to choose to do life with margin uh, for your kingdom, to not be overwhelmed by distraction, not be overwhelmed by our culture that calls us to so much stuff that, that has no kingdom value. Would you cause us uh, to serve in our workplaces, in, in everywhere you have us, Father? We see those places as places where you've carved us out to be Jesus on the way. Release us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.